Cool. Good evening, everyone. Part of me was dreading saying good morning because I'm so used to, to saying that when I'm in a Sunday meeting mode. <laughs> um, I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, I know I myself had a really busy um, couple of weeks. Um, if you see me suddenly going down with my finger, it's not, I'm trying to squash you on the screen, but uh, there's random ants that have just decided to come inside and invade my house. So I might be flicking them away. So it's not, <laughs> it's not against anyone on the screen. It's, it's just trying to stop them from distracting me. Um, I'm just really excited to be opening up God's word to us this evening. As Sam's already said, we're looking at the second half of Ephesians 2, and it's, it's such an exciting passage to build on. Uh, some, peop uh, some people even talk about it as the crowning piece of Paul's writings when he's looking at the peace of God and what Jesus has done for us. Uh, and it very much builds upon the first 10 verses that Sam unpacked for us uh, the other day. But a bit similar to what, what Sam um, got us to do at the start of worship, God had put something very similar on my heart for as I was just going to start preaching. And, and I'm not going to do it in the same way now because what Sam's already done, but I, I do really feel stirred afresh in my heart that actually the word of God is spirit and it is life. And actually, this evening, as we're, we're looking at the word of God, as we're unpacking it, we, we can come with an expectancy that actually God is at work in us, that actually God is going to be doing things in us, actually God is going to be bringing life to us uh, and even bringing specific life to specific situations that are going on in our life. And, and almost just as a testimony to that, I think during the time of, of worship, I really felt that almost that I was probably striving in terms of my thinking about this evening uh, and thinking about what I was going to bring this evening and actually the best way of doing that. And I really felt actually God to speak to me afresh about his grace. And actually, I almost feel like by the end of worship, I'm just sitting. <laughs> so coming back to the title of this series, Sit, Stand, Walk. And I just feel like actually, whatever is going on for any of us right now, actually our primary place is we start from the place of sitting in all Christ has done for us. We cannot add to it. We cannot take away from it. So I just encourage you this evening that, that as we move on, if, if there are still things that are burdening you and weighing you down, just cast your burdens onto Christ because he cares for you. He loves you and receive his word this evening as he speaks his spirit and life into you. So as I, as I start, um, really, I just want to encourage you to think of a song that, that you really connect with, that you find to be really emotive. Um, for some of you, that could be Algar's Nimrod. Um, if you've seen, uh, the, <laughs> I was like that when, when Alex suggested that <laughs> to me as a song to use. But if you've seen the film Dunkirk, um, actually, that makes you of the piece of music it's uh that's the theme to that to that film it's a very strong classical piece i, I know you played an example but actually um i couldn't find the right example to fit for this evening but if you can think of a piece of music which you find that you really connect with now if you took the melody to that piece of music alone uh so you take the melody away from the chords the other notes the harmony and everything going on it it could still be beautiful. It can still be intricate. It can still um, be emotive and draw you in and you can still connect with it. But you're actually missing the full glory of the piece of music, of what it's intended to be. And in a way, that's a bit like what's happened with 
the first half of Ephesians chapter two. So we've seen the, the wonderful melody, the centerpiece of God's salvation song for us and what's going on there. Um, but it doesn't stop there. We, we live in a, a very individualistic culture, don't we? And it'd be, it's easy for us to, to really get caught up in what God's salvation means for me. Uh, and, and actually, by doing that, we miss out on the true wonder of the mystery of Christ revealed that shows the wisdom of God to the rulers in the authorities in the heavens above. So, yeah, if you can turn to Ephesians chapter two, um, like a, a verse, a, actually we read it from verse eight. We're meant to be reading from verse 11, but let's just read from verse eight to give a bit of context. And, and I think you'll see that actually what Paul's starting to do here is Paul's starting to add in other notes, uh, sticking with a song and idea, other, other harmonies that actually enrich that melody and actually show the true beauty and wonder of uh, what God has done for us. So this is from verse eight. It says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments, expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So Paul starts, therefore remember. So the first 10 verses of Ephesians um, 2 basically almost set the scene in a way. It talks about you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Um, and, and Paul's saying that actually it's important for us to engage with that. It's important for us to remember that. He's not telling us to, to dwell on our past sins. He's not telling us to start naming and thinking of all the things we've done wrong uh, and start really dwelling in that area. But what Paul's saying is it's important for us to remember the position we were in, to remember that we were separate from Christ as he goes on to say here it says at that time you were separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world so here Paul is primarily talking to to the Ephesian church which is primarily Gentiles 
which means they're non-Jews. And so here, at that time, he's saying this. So this is before they had Christ, before they knew Christ. They were alienated. So they were separate from, from Israel. The people that, that God had chosen to dwelling, the people that God had chosen to, to give his covenant promise to, of that one day the whole world would be blessed through them. But actually, there was this, this hostility between Jews and Gentiles, and they were alienated from each other. The, the Gentiles were complete strangers to this covenant of promise. And he goes on to say, having no hope and without God in the world. This is, this is us. This is us before we had Christ as well. So it's important for us to remember that actually we were in this place of no hope. We were in the place where there was no hope at all. So in essence, what Paul is saying is remember that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were walking in the way of the world and not in God's way. And, and Sam was really helpful when I'm unpacking this a bit for us the other week. But if you're, if you're dead, like imagine in a hospital, someone's died on the, in hospital, the doctors, the nurses pronounce the, that you're dead, okay, that this person is dead. They're, that's because there's nothing that can be done. It's irreversible. They're not just giving up because they're being half-hearted. But what they're saying is, humanly there is nothing that we can do to overcome this deadness and actually this is what what Paul is talking about for us we were spiritually dead we were spiritually separate separated from Christ from God and there's nothing there's humanly nothing that could be done it's irreversible nothing that we ourselves could do to overcome it so the Gentiles who Paul was writing to had no hope and we too without Christ have no hope but just how the passage which Sam read pivoted on but God. Today, we have but now in Christ Jesus. So I'm just going to read verse 13. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So what is humanly impossible, what we could never do on ourselves, what we could never do in our own merit, Christ Jesus has done by his blood. He has brought us near. And it's not just about bringing us as individuals near to God. Uh, we, we see in Ephesians 1 verse 10 that actually this, this wonderful plan of God's redemption is to unite all things in heaven and on earth in Christ Jesus. And it's about relationships, relationships which are, are vertical, so us with God, but also horizontal. It's about relationships in mankind between humans. It goes on to say, um, in verse 14 for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility this is so, so Christ focused. It's so Jesus is the center. It's all down to him that we may now have peace, that, that this hostility that was there, not only between mankind and God, but also between Jew and Gentile has been broken down. So the Jews were God's covenant people. They were the people of promise. They're, they're, God made the promise with Abraham that, that he would bless his um offspring and that they would increase more than the numbers of stars in the sky the sand on the earth and that there would be a blessing through him for the whole earth and yet there was something 
in Israel's understanding of, of this promise that, that caused them to completely alienate Gentiles from them. They, they, they didn't hold to, to the fact really that, that they were to be a blessing to the world, but they, they kind of more focused on the fact that they weren't allowed to allow the world to corrupt them. Okay, God gave the Jews the, this, this law, the law of how to live holy lives. But what we see is that again and again, the, the Jews went away from God, that Israel as a nation hardened their hearts and pursued their own way rather than God's way. And so actually what we see that even here where Paul is unpacking that, that the Gentiles had no hope, in the first few verses of the chapter, Paul actually includes the Jews as being dead in their trespasses and sins. So the people of God that, 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 that did have hope because Jesus said, oh, if you follow me, if you give yourselves to following me, give yourselves to live in a holy life. I will, I will be with you. I will dwell amongst you. And yet Paul's including the Jews because he includes himself and he was a Jew in the fact that we, before Christ, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So the law, though it showed Israel God's holy standard for living, it didn't help them attain it. It, did, it didn't bring life at all. It, it's, as we see in the book of Romans, it's, it's as if you're, the law, it's as if you're married to the law and the law is your husband. And all the law does is point out every single little wrong thing you ever do. Uh, and it's a really good husband from that perspective. It wants you to do well, but never lifts a finger to help you. Okay. But what Jesus has done is he's come. And this passage says he's abolished the law. That can also be translated as nullified the law. And you have to be careful here because we also know from the Gospels that Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law. And what has actually happened is Jesus, God, sent his only son in human form, in the incarnation, so that we might have a, a human who can live a perfect, sinless life that he can pay the price for our sins upon the cross and that we might have life and have it to the full. So, the, the, and by Jesus fulfilling the law, it, it shows that it, it became that anyone that puts their trust in him as their Lord and Saviour becomes freed from the law. It says you're no longer under law, but you're under grace. So God knows that there's no way that we ourselves can fulfill the law. But there was only one, one way for God to overcome this, and that was to send his son to die for us upon the cross. But in doing so, it says he creates a new humanity. So all of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are a new creation it says, doesn't it, the old has gone and the new has come. And, and that's the only way that, that this, this hostility that was between Jew and Gentiles and, and mankind and God could be broken was for Jesus to come and fulfill the law and for his righteousness that for fulfilling the law is given to us, that we are put in Christ, that we are clothed in Christ Jesus, that by his grace we are saved not of ourselves, that no man can boast. But it's in him, it's all down to him. 
and the good news, it has global consequences. The the song that um, Joy sent around during the week uh, was really touched my heart. Seeing so many different nations, people from different nations declaring God's amazing grace. And it is a really wonderful, beautiful picture because actually when we see the news, what we actually see so often is a broken world where there is this deep rift between humanity, where there's issues where people have issues with people's race, with people's color, with um, the way people live their lives. And actually what Jesus has done is that he's brought a way where, he, where we are completely free from those things and united together in him. That actually the church is to be diverse, it's multi-ethnic. It is to have people from every nation all over the world clothed in him, clothed in his presence, bringing his glory and his light into the world. This is a glorious gospel. It's so good, but it doesn't stop there. It says in verse 18, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So we now have access to the father. And the way that this is, this is talked about, if you look at the original language, it actually means it's something we now possess. OK, it's not like the A2, uh, not, uh, the Ashford Road off the A2, where all of a sudden we don't have access to it and it throws everything into chaos. That's not what our lives are like with God. Every day we have complete and utter free access to his throne of grace. And, and sadly, our tendency is in those times when we're struggling, maybe we've sinned. Maybe we, we feel like, oh, God, I haven't spent enough time with you recently. We, we, we're slow to come to him. But actually, it says that, that Jesus, because of his humanity, because of the life that he lived for us, he can identify with our weaknesses and he welcomes us before the throne of grace. It's in him that we come before the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and grace every day. So that's just, just an, such amazing, wonderful truth. So let's not be slow to come before his throne of grace. We have access. It's something that we now possess in Christ Jesus, not because of what we have done, but we can come boldly. We can come confidently before the throne of grace and receive all that God has for us. And the great thing is, as well, this passage, it says, in him, so Christ Jesus himself is our cornerstone, and in him the whole structure is being, um, yeah, in him the whole structure has been joined together, it grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So, th so this one new humanity is, is the temple of God. And God dwells with us here and now, and God is in us now. But also it's growing. Okay, The church is growing. God is growing his church. It is built upon Christ Jesus. So it's Christ that we know, it's him that we are to proclaim, it's him that we are to build our lives upon, but we're also to go and to make disciples of all peoples, because that's God's chosen way of, of growing his church, of building his temple, is that, that the living stones, us who are based upon, founded upon Christ Jesus, go and make known his gospel, his glorious gospel, 
among the nations. So there's, there's no other way that that humanity could could come and be together in a way of peace. There's no other way we could know love. There's no other way we could know true hope apart from in Christ Jesus. So it's already been said this evening, you, you might be in the place today where, where you feel hopeless. You might be in the place where you feel that there's too much going on, that you're, you're feeling like you're under bondage. But God is the God of the impossible. Like the, the, the prayers that are answered earlier, God brings life. He brings freedom. He brings joy. And, and it's just such a wonderful, joyous thing that it's not just one people group. It's not like God has decided, oh, it's just those over there. If, if it was just the Jews that God had, had kept his covenant, covenant promise with, and there wasn't a new covenant, it was just the old covenant, we, we would have no hope. That would be it. It would be over. But God, by his grace, sent his one and only son to die for us that we may have life and have it to the full. Now, in the second, um, I'm actually going to, Sam's going to play for us the, the song that Joyce sent out. Uh, and just let, let the goodness of it, let, let the truth of it wash over you. Let, let the wonderful wisdom in, in what God has done in uniting, be able to unite all mankind together in him. Anyone who puts their faith and trust in him, let it wash over you. But I'm just going to pray for us just before we play that. God, I thank you for your wonderful gospel of grace. Lord, we were, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, separate from you, and we had no hope. But thank you, Jesus, that you have rescued us, that you have redeemed us, and now that you send us to, on your mission of redemption, that we may bring your wonderful gospel of grace. To, to, to our community around us, that we may see your kingdom come for your name's sake. Thank you, God. Amen.